oh my goodness sister join the salvation army i would say unequivocally yes and if somebody wanted to argue with me i'd take them on Hello and welcome to the All Terrain Podcast, brought to you by the Youth and Children's Ministry Unit of the Salvation Army in the UK and Republic of Ireland. My name's Matt White and in each episode I'll be inviting a guest to take a hypothetical hike with me as we find out about their real life journey to this point. Along the way they'll make four choices and answer four questions. In this episode, I'm joined by General Brian Peddle. General Peddle is the world leader of the Salvation Army and is responsible for the movement's ministry in 131 countries worldwide. He serves in partnership with his wife, Commissioner Rosalie Peddle, who is world president of women's ministries. The General and Commissioner Peddle have two daughters, Stephanie and Krista, as well as five grandchildren. Now, is that right, General? Is that a good? Is that is that good? I think you've done very well. Really? I could take you down the road and you could introduce me as we go. Oh, fabulous. Uh, now, Let's talk a little bit about life outside being the general. I mean, I imagine, I mean, I imagine, I know it's a very busy role. You are literally responsible for 131 countries. That hasn't gone up since I Googled it, has it? You haven't added another one this no, morning. No. Okay, we're still 131. Well, we're, thinking, we're thinking about it. Oh, of course, always, always. <laughs> 131. So uh, it's obviously a very busy role. It, it, in normal times, we're in October 2020. In normal times, a lot of travel. I guess this year different. What about outside of all of that? Because we'll come to some of that. But what about outside of that? What do you like to do in your spare time? Uh, in my spare time, there are things I like to do I can't do in a city and can't do while I uh, am coming and going and traveling the mm. world. My, my perhaps favorite activity of all uh, things leisure would be simply kayaking. Oh, wow. If I were back in my homeland, I would access my kayak on a regular basis and find some uh, both calm and uh, some rough water. Both are enjoyable. Not much kayaking in London, I imagine. Well, don't uh, second guess uh, opportunity. I did the Thames River just two did weeks you? ago, thirteen miles with wow. a, a group. One of those bucket list things yeah. that everybody should do. Yeah. yeah, amazing. So let's get started now. Before we get into the big questions, you've got to make two of your choices. So first off, where are we walking? Where is this hypothetical hike taking place? Hypothetical hike. Now, you're asking me that in the context of personal or army, because I have difficulty separating my my reality. I, you know, I know you want me to make that choice for you, but I'm enjoying watching you try to make it yourself. It's uh... Well, I, I can't see. Some people think that you compartmentalize life, and, and I, I don't do that. I live a very intertwined mm. life. Uh, so in, in one context, uh, I can be very uh, Brian Peddle and, you know, exercising my thoughts personally, uh, wishing I could do this and that personally. Mm. Uh, when I look over my shoulder, I realize there's not much space for that because every time I speak, I speak on behalf of the general's office. I I walk into cafes and I don't stop being the general because mm -hmm. people find me and so it's very hard mm. to differentiate between the two. So I guess if I could push you, if it was to be just Brian Peddle, where yes. would you be walking on this hike? I, I think in a very reflective mode. I uh, don't naturally uh, lend myself to being reflective. Mm. I'm, a, I'm a doer, so I have bit of a personality type that's I'm always on to the next thing I have I sometimes say to Rosalie my wife I have the attention span of a bumblebee you know <laughs> you, 
you you go from flower to flower quickly yeah right because i'm always looking for next Mm. but uh, i have to say and i've said this publicly i suppose in some ways that you know uh being in a pandemic is also providing opportunities as uh, look let me let me be clear there's nothing good about covid Mm -hmm. right but there is outcomes Mm. that uh, can be found and can Mm -hmm. be cherished. One of those is thinking time. Mm. One of those is, um, you know, apart from Netflix and puzzles and walking and cycling, uh, one of those is is more time with the Lord. Mm. And, you know, for our Salvation Army, I think they need a general who is able to be well-connected. Uh, look, I live in a world where I have to discern, by God's grace, mm. numerous things. And I can't do that as Brian Peddle. So, Brian Peddle, where are you walking? I'm, I'm walking as close to the Lord as mm. I can, mm. in the sense that uh, I can't keep connected with that discernment, mm. which is wisdom from on high, mm. unless I'm actually... Uh, relationally well mm. intimately connected with him mm. so yes that that's where i'm walking mm. is trying to stay safe mm. there so mm. then the, the other things i do then beyond that is uh, is okay mm. back to seeking first his kingdom i suppose yeah now uh we we bring three people with us uh one living one dead and one fictional oh, so who sorry. is so is who is joining us uh Look, I, I, I think I'll start with the living. And I'm finding it hard, forgive me if I can say this to your listeners, I'm finding it hard to find heroes mm. in the normal realms where we find them. That's political heroes, social justice activists, or church leaders. I'm, I'm finding it a little bit difficult to, because there's, there's a challenge with leadership today, and many of us have dis- been disappointed with, you know, I, I get a little disturbed about having to take books off my shelf because the author has lost his credibility. Mm. So, mm. Uh, but I will give you a name. I'll, I'll, I'll zero in on uh, Gordon McDonald as a writer, teacher, preacher, now in his 80s, who is reflecting on life and uh, just listening to him speak and reading his writings mm. even to today. Uh, is like wisdom it is gold so that that's probably who i would look to somebody who's dead Uh, i i carry uh, a little bit of the influence of general clarence wiseman with me okay uh mostly because i intersected him when i was a young lieutenant as he had just retired and uh, i was in a position where uh when he lectured at the training college in canada I, i became the lieutenant driver Oh. And perhaps got a few minutes with him where I still uh, use as my framework a little bit of these nuggets of gold. Mm. You know, I remember asking him questions and him giving answers that were way beyond my wisdom. <laughs> yeah. I never forgot that. Yeah. So I, I think as a man of God, as a, a leader, yeah, that would be a good place to rest. Mm. Somebody dead or fictional fictional that... it's a fictional character fictional. man it's gotta be robin hood oh okay and who else would it be i mean 
apart from all the other things of what is truth and history and Sherwood Forest and all the rest yeah, of it. That's okay. You don't need to worry about any of that in your fictional. Anybody who fights for the good and steals and gives to the poor and there, there's I know there's awful stuff in that, but there's some some sweet spots there where I would uh, I would say if we can lift one another up and we can help the poor, yeah. So maybe Robin Hood, and that's probably because I have been to Nottingham and done the little oh, touristy the, thing. Oh, yes. Probably watched all the movies and read all the storybooks. So. <laughs> Well, that is quite a lineup. Now, now, I always say to people, I have to come too. Uh, so I'm here as well. But I'm, I'm happy with that. That sounds like quite an exceptional lineup okay. of people I'm joining. So I'm pleased with that yeah. one. So Ask every... me tomorrow and I might change all three. Oh, do you know, I always think that. I always think that when I make people answer those questions. I think, oh my goodness, if you asked me that in an hour, I'd have a different group of people. Because like something would ping on my phone or, you know, anything could happen. But that sounds like a, yeah, that sounds like a good lineup. So every guest here on the Alter In podcast answers four questions. So here is the first one for you. How do you face change? Carefully. Mm. Uh, I, I, I'm okay with change. I think change can be uh, most enriching. I think I'd have to say that people help me most with change. As we approach change in the Salvation Army or uh, change in our personal lives. It's being able to work through the narrative that goes with that. So I'd like to think I embrace change. I remember years ago being schooled in the thought of, hey, you have a current reality. It's not going to stay that way for very long because the only constancy about change is change itself. Like that's an operating principle of life. So current reality, but where do you want to end up and how will you work with that process? You're either a resistor or you embrace and, you know, bring the best end result. Mm. So I'm not suggesting that it's always dealing with things that are inevitable that are going to turn out a certain way anyway, but I'd like to join the journey of change and have something to do with its trajectory. And uh, bring the right outcomes, protect the right things, die on the right hills, <laughs> and and uh, somehow just uh, advance the things that really matter. So, change for me is not an enemy. It's it's something to be embraced uh, because nothing stays as it is, and we need to be people that keep current and keep in a world where we're relevant. People talk about the relevance of the Salvation Army. Uh, I'm quite prepared to be challenged by that reality day by day. Um, you said uh, right at the start of your answer that people help you face change. I guess for, for some people listening, their experience of trying to change things would, would almost be the direct opposite of that, which is that often it can feel like one of the biggest barriers to change is other people. Uh, why why yes. do you think for you that's, that's a different answer? Huh, I didn't realize it was so different, uh, Matt. Uh, it was it was more of how I do change. Mm. Like you would understand, and our listeners would perhaps understand, the Salvation Army is is uh, 
firing on so many different fronts mm -hmm. and it's ethical, it's moral, it's social justice, it's the relevance of gospel, it's uh, pioneering work in a new country, do we or don't we? It's the threat of uh, government legislation in some parts of the world where we're serving and the restrictions. Uh, my day is, is filled with considerations of stuff that's well beyond a general. So I have people around me, obviously, who uh, help me speak into that. I rarely make uh, life-changing decisions for the army because the general wills it or uh, write an edict that says that's how it is. Mm -hmm. I would want the Salvation Army people to know that uh, around me there are, are counselors, mm -hmm. there are colleagues, and uh, so change for me is explored and uh, wrestled with mm. while I have others around me. And I may go into any meeting or towards any agenda with a very clear desired outcome, but will admit more often than not that where I end up personally is influenced by the people around me. And that's when I thank God that change is not just a personal issue, but sometimes it's a group think mm. into dilemmas that are quite challenging. I think that's quite a, um, a really helpful admission you've just made there, that sense of yeah. you might enter a, because I, I guess look, in, a, in, a, in an organization based on a military metaphor, the idea yeah. that, that the general has an idea and leads is actually for many people many people i guess that's what they assume and also i guess some people really want i mean that it, it impacts in all areas of life so to hear you say that that you go into a meeting sometimes with a clear sense of what what you think you want the outcome to be and then that's shifted by people i think that's probably a bigger thing you just said than you realize because uh, particularly in a, in, in a military metaphor i think i think it's it's really i find it particularly helpful to hear the general say i don't always get my way and i often change my mind I think any leader uh, should position himself to be willing to be talked away from the edge. Mm. <laughs> oh, yes. How we could use more of that in our world. Yeah. Look, I became the general at midnight on a specific day. Mm. I say to people in, in moments, uh, you know, I wasn't any taller. I didn't mm. get any smarter. Mm. Um, I brought what I had and I, I said, yes, I will. Yes. And I have to say to anyone who wanted to listen, I did that because I believe that God would provide mm. a circle. I have uh, 59 territories and commands where I have competent leadership. Mm. So I don't lead the army in Japan mm. or Indonesia. I have people doing that. Mm who are bonded and legally delegated my authority. I lead the international army. I lead our leaders, mm. but it's a unique sense of, yeah. So the input into the, they say to me sometimes, well, you're the general, you can do what you like. And I said, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, you're also a grandfather of five. So you, that obviously helps you know your place, right? <laughs> and a husband now for 40 plus years. I, I know how this works. It's a very pleasant place to be, mm. to, to have the privilege of leading, mm. but to realize that your shoulders are broader because mm. of who stands around you. Mm. And when you have God umbrellaing all of that, mm. if you like a banner over mm. all of that, 
and you know, I wake up most mornings say nothing's impossible, and mm. I believe it. Mm. I think that's wonderful. I think you're right. I think the idea that that the circle, the umbrella, the foundation that we stand on, all of those things, I think, allow that to be so. I also like that you said you didn't get taller or smarter. You do get those lovely gold epaulets. I've always been jealous of the gold. Yeah, yeah. You see, now they're, they're a bit special. I mean, look, we're on Zoom right now, and they're even shining on that. I can see them. They're very fancy. Look, it gets more attention in airports than <laughs> anything else under the sun. I want, I want to ask you, for, for people listening, so I think you're right. I think the ability to have that grip around you and all of that and to see those changes happen. I guess for, for people listening, there will be people listening right now who are facing the changes that their situation, their ministry, their core, their yeah. church, their youth group, their home yeah. league, their band, whatever it happens to be, whatever ministry they're involved in. And yeah. they have sensed that God discernment of, I want to do this. And they maybe don't yeah. feel that support around them. What advice would you give to a salvationist listening? Yeah, I, I think that's a hard question for anyone to answer for someone else. Uh, you know, I've gone through my years of ministry where I've felt resistance or I've not felt understood or uh, you have a great idea and you believe it's, you know, it's from God and nobody else comes alongside and, you, you know, you just hit your head against the wall and all of that. I think it's it's a challenging day. My hope is that our you know our territorial leadership, our divisional leadership, people in the core, in the center, uh, wherever salvationists uh, unpack their their service to the Lord as salvationists, that there would be space to sit and talk about what's happening, but talking also about recovery and how we move from this so-called new normal into a, a next normal. I, I released a video last week and I called it, what if, mm. you know, mm. hypothetically, I, I'm terrible at hypothetical questions, but COVID has forced us to think hypothetically. Mm. What if God is speaking to our core about programs we've been running that now that we're not running them, nobody's missing them should we go back and do those again or should salvationists uh, retool themselves mm -hmm. to be more connected in the community than mm -hmm. connected at church mm -hmm. there you know there are there are so many things I, I hope I hope and pray that while we've had a little bit of time because one of my what ifs <laughs> has to be what if God has given us a pause moment to make some adjustments mm. and acknowledge that we could not should not be keeping up to the frenzied lifestyle we've created anyway and if we claw some of that back if we pull it back create some space mm. what are we going to do with that space for his kingdom's sake so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in this mode where I'm saying and hoping salvationists are going to take time to have those conversations. Mm. That, that, that's what I've been doing with myself. Mm. So I've had time, right? I, I'm 70% of my reality is somewhere else mm. in the world. And I'm not there. Mm. So I'm not in Bolivia this weekend, for instance. No. You know. So I, I hope people are recalibrating a little bit, re-evaluating. Re I think that's the process I hope people are doing. And if that's hard, 
then like me, you're finding some good mates and some good friends, some people you've walked with all along. Yeah. To maybe help you with that. Yeah. Mm. General, you just said uh, you're not very good at hypothetical questions. I think you absolutely smashed that one. I mean, my goodness. I mean, I think if a few, I think, my goodness, that even just the moment of, of, of trying to figure out if maybe this is a pause and frenzied activity. I think everyone, whether you are a salvationist, whether you are a person of faith, of all faith, of no faith, whether you're just trying to get through the week yeah. to the school run, yeah. I think yeah. everyone uh, needs to, and, and, and many have asked that question, what if it's not that? What yeah. if it's the next thing? And I, I think that's, again, just really empowering to hear you say that. Yeah, it's good, good. So let's move on to the next question. How do we move through suffering? Uh, look, I, I struggle with that one uh, significantly. Um, my life has not been difficult. I remember sitting in a uh, circle where we were uh, working on some training around death and suffering and so on. And we were all asked to share an episode of life where we have suffered. Mm. I was mute. I, 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 I haven't had a charmed life, but I mean, my idea of suffering is, is the extreme hardship of loss of, of missed opportunity of uh, great grief. And, uh, Still today, you know, when I talk to my leaders around the world, I realize that my, my COVID experience is very different than theirs. Now, if you get sick, COVID is COVID. Mm. But if you're dealing with the outgrowth of COVID ramifications mm. and you're in Lalongwe in Malawi, mm. it is not same for me when I walk down to Tesco and I take off the shelf everything I need mm -hmm. and so on. So um, I, I struggle with the question and it's not because it's hypothetical, it's because uh, suffering I think is, is something that's related to the events of life and so far the events of my life have not been uh, particularly difficult. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I've lost mom and dad and uh you know at late ages in life and you grieve you you move through those processes but uh walking uh in my faith journey uh and all of these things have created a space where if there are trials they're they're quickly and tenderly um dealt with through grace and mercy and, and a lot of people around me and uh yeah i i find i find the question of suffering difficult mm. but i tell you what it does do it puts me on my guard because i think i think i am more attentive to the suffering of others mm. it's not that i want to suffer like them but it does make me mindful of my blessed mm. reality and then helps me see that, yeah, I weep. I weep for the hungry of the world. I weep for the fact that some of our children are stunted and, and not growing in their physical and, and emotional realities because of life's reality. I, I weep for domestic violence victims. 
I have met trafficked ladies, men and women. I have shook their hands. I walk away in shame. Uh, so I, I think in some ways my suffering is related to the plight of others mm -hmm. as opposed to my own mm -hmm. personal suffering. Uh, I, I've cried over things that I would not have known about or experienced if I wasn't serving as a Salvation Army officer. Mm. And maybe my suffering is in my service. I think the um, I think one of the things that obviously shifts over time is that so you and and, and Rosalie you start in Canada. And then mm. you went to uh, New Zealand, Fiji and Tonga. Is that right? Yeah. And yeah. then you go to the UK and then uh, back to Canada again. Is that right? And then and now in general, mm -hmm. I, I, do you see a difference in yourself in how you recognize that? Um, you talk about that, that trauma, like, uh, the word the word privilege, I guess. Do you see yeah. a difference in you from that young lieutenant driving the retired general around to now where you sit, having seen so much more of the world? Oh, yeah. I, I used to say, Matt, uh, in my appointments, uh, Lord, uh, don't let me leave my handprints on this appointment too much. Mm. My legacy would be hopefully uh, mentoring and helping others, strengthening the army, uh, making good decisions, mm. setting direction. But I, I don't want to leave the appointment with my handprints there. Uh, that, that's been an operating principle for me, a leadership principle. Mm. Uh, today, <laughs> I say, Lord, stop leading the army's handprints on me. So now mm. it's changed in that uh, the army has changed me, mm. is changing me. Mm. I, I don't know what I'm going to do when a time comes. I can go to the cafe and all the lads want to talk about the football and the weather and mm. it's going to be hard mm. because my worldview is so infused by what i've seen mm. and experienced it's the army now changing me yet again mm. uh such that i i, I hope i can have normal day-to-day -day conversations mm. without going off on a rant about uh, no, you can't look at that country that way. That's not who these people are. They are they are people like you and I trying to raise families and so on because they live in the shadow of the Taliban or mm -hmm. they live in a, a non-Christian environment. Mm -hmm. Stop looking at them that way. They're living, breathing, God-created human beings. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I have opinions now, and these have been formed by the army giving me a panoramic worldview and it's not complete yet i mean i think i speak for all of us when i say we would much rather you were that guy in the cafe than talking about the football i'll hang out in any cafe where you're off on a rant about global politics and socioeconomic yeah, situations i'll take that general i'll take that they're likely gonna meet and not invite me <laughs> so just find the right group of people find the right group of people and they'll embrace it don't you worry i, I think that's really powerful again to hear i mean i you know, I, I grew up in the Salvation Army, as you know, and I think for me there was always a certain, I, I think in, in across through all ranks, you know, I th when I grew up, the, the Corps officer, uh, and then you had, you know, the, the DC, and then you had the TC, and then and then there was this thing, you know, I, I remember yeah. growing up in Ireland, and the general came to Congress, yes. and there was this, yes. there was this um, aura and spectacle and, and all this other stuff around yeah. it. To, to yeah. hear you say that actually that role is not about what you are bringing to where you're going, but in fact the imprints of the world and the army upon you, I find oh, yeah. deeply moving. 
Uh, that's my personal uh, take on it. I, I know that, uh, like, we were supposed to be in Nigeria in October for the hundreds mm. and, you know, years of service in Nigeria. And I, I know what that party would have been like. Oh, yeah. It would have been off the charts and the general would have been there and uh, we would have been treated like royalty in yeah. no uncertain terms. Yeah. But I, I would say my greatest uh, regret about that event not taking place and we not being there is again the impact it would have had upon us yes right yes. and 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 then i would be in the coffee shop talking about nigeria from a, a first-hand experience yes. of a people uh you know it's just the way it is yeah. that the army is so splendid when we see it and when we experience it and we come back to real life and we sit down and try and share it with others, it takes days. Mm -hmm. We'll we'll spend the rest of our lives unpacking the impact yeah. of seeing the army and our people yeah. and their service yeah. and their yeah. resilience yeah. around the world. Yeah. Right. I sometimes say I wish I could put well, the 22, 23,000 soldiers from the UK in my back pocket and take them with me. Yeah, I think we would all be changed if you had the experience that we are having. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> We've got two more choices and two more questions. So, oh, uh, really? The next choice is uh, what's on the playlist? In case, uh, I mean, I'm, your guests, I mean, living, f dead, fictional, they all sound great, but I might get boring. So, if that was the case and you put the headphones in, what would you be listening to? Uh, um, I'll delight my Irish friends when I say I love Celtic. I grew up in a province in Canada called Newfoundland, mm. where on Saturdays we listened to the Irish Newfoundland show and Celtic music, Irish music. I can just, uh, I can just take that. I, I do incredible amount of um, worships, songs, music, but what I like doing is going to the international nation by nation flavors. Oh. And on Apple Music, uh, you know what I did this past week? I'm missing Africa so much. I spent a whole Saturday listening to African singing. Couldn't understand the word, but I was I was where I needed to be. Mm. So I do that sometimes. Uh, so I, I, yeah, it's all over the place. I think I'd be very hard to nail it down. But wow. you know, when I'm kayaking, mm. yeah, <laughs> I, I, I probably would turn to some Irish Celtic. Music, I would. Uh, if I'm trying to do some study, I, I fall into the worship stuff, mm. you know, Maranatha Hill song. Um, but every now and then, I want to touch base. I'll, 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 I'll do it this week because I just saw it on my Apple Music profile. But there's some uh, Latino Christian worship. Yes. And, and I'm not getting to Bolivia right now. I can't get to Argentina. I've had to send my videos. Yeah. So one of the ways I'll remember what that's like is hearing the Spanish yes. uh, versions of stuff that I can sing in English. Like it's just strange ways that I relate through music. Third question. How do we receive joy? You know, I think we almost just touched on it a bit, didn't we? Some of what we just talked oh, about in terms probably. of where you've been and where, how, how do you receive joy in your role? through the internet <laughs> yes right now yeah that's it right <laughs> uh, I, I mean you know you said we had five grandchildren mm -hmm. and uh you know I, I can't explain to your audience what we have tried to replicate 
on the internet, mm -hmm. you know, of birthday parties mm -hmm. and opening gifts and mm -hmm. uh, just being there at the end of school days mm -hmm. and listening to the teacher's comment on homework or uh, connecting with our, our siblings and mm -hmm. being able to, uh, I remember going to a promotion to glory funeral of a missionary officer when I served here as the chief secretary. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's going back to 2007 mm. and the children were giving the tribute and the children now years years later talked about you know landing in in Rhodesia of that day and going off the boarding school not seeing their parents of uh, discovering that their favorite aunt had passed away and it was six weeks later the steamship came with the mail and mm. those kinds of ridiculous realities mm. and today uh this morning already, I have talked to 27 of our international leaders through a uh, conference wow. uh, call, and we're greeting each other, we're we're laughing at each mm. other, and and uh, so I, I I think joy comes still in the connectivity with the people who fill my world. Mm. That's where the joy comes from. My joy of service is uh, this. I'm back to trying to say to you, it's all tangled up together. I don't, I don't separate things mm. out. My personal life, my, my officer life, my general life, my being a good dad, my grandparenting. Where does one stop and where does one end? Uh, I'm okay with the intertwined reality. Years ago, I tried to explain it by juggling balls mm. into the air. No, no, it's all, it's all, and I am one person. Mm. I get to enjoy joy through many avenues mm. and the Lord, of course, uh, I think has designed it that way for me. Mm. For those of us who in this moment are looking and going, it's very hard to find that people who perhaps live alone, people who don't have that access, uh, people who have all those yeah. things. You, you've talked already about some of the other places that, that the army yeah. serves. Where does that deeper joy come from for you? Do you think? I, I look, I have a, a couple of lines in my prayer journal in the morning. And uh, one of them says, I begin this day with the full knowledge that uh, Christ has forgiven my sins. In other words, the cross is a reality, right? Mm -hmm. uh, he has gifted me the Holy Spirit. So today, no matter what, I don't walk alone and in the toughest of moments, Matt, <laughs> it's not because I am self-sufficient, but I can be bold mm. and not afraid. Mm. Right. And then the third one is that, look, when all of this is done, it's all sorted anyway. And eternity is not something that sets records straight. It just takes us into the throne room of God forever. And when everything else is coming down, crashing or uncertain, or will there be a vaccine and mm. all of that stuff, all the hypothetical falls away. Mm. And certainties of who I am, why I'm here, and who I am in God's design uh, I don't mess with that. Mm. And I think when all is said and done, that's where the real source of joy mm. comes from. I always ask this question to um, particularly Salvation Army leaders who get to travel in any way, shape or form, but perhaps for you more than ever. 
is there still joy in the Salvation Army? Oh, dear Lord, you, you haven't danced in the Punjab. I mean, I didn't know Indians danced, but I, I've seen that. You, you haven't... <sighs> Uh, you haven't fronted up in Palu, Sulawesi, where, you know, the earth shifted and, and thousands died. And, and I show up as the general for a service of Thanksgiving and 18,000 salvations come. But it's not just them. It's all our Muslim friends in the community because we work together, right? Mm -hmm. We weren't one or the other. Mm -hmm. And I, I hear them sing their song of joy. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's going to uh, a safe house where, um, you know, people are being rescued from a, a modern slavery. Mm. And I listened to Mary's uh, words. Mary doesn't want to take part in any other way, but she wants to sing for us. Mm. And she sings a song that's a terrible story, mm. but her tagline is the best is yet to come. Mm. And I can see in the Burundian young 18-year-old's face, there's joy because there's hope, mm. right? Oh, my goodness, sister, joy in the Salvation Army. I would say unequivocally, yes. And if somebody wanted to argue with me, I'd take them on. I got to tell you, we're on Zoom right now, but I'm glad I'm not sitting opposite you because I think even the fact <laughs> I asked the question you're about to take me on, I mean, you became so animated in that answer. I genuinely wish we'd recorded this bit just for that because you, honestly, you really, I mean, it was, you really lit up when you were answering that question. I, I just believe it. I, I, I have this sense. I say this too often. I wake up every day knowing that God's hand of blessing is upon the army mm -hmm. and I can prove it. Wow. So if you want, if you want to go with me on that, absolutely. Yeah. But I can prove it. Right. Wow. I, I've seen, I've seen, mm -hmm. and it's not, it's not in the other parts of the world that we're not familiar with. It's, it's here in the UK. Mm -hmm. We have special extensively in the UK mm -hmm. and we, we offer five Sundays a year to the UK and we, we get out there in, in places small and large and we come away saying, isn't that incredible? Uh, all these years, like we were supposed to be in Bristol for a 140 year mm. anniversary. Um, and we've had those experiences. And, and though there are some who are looking over their shoulder and saying our best days are behind us. Well, if that is you, you don't have a good grip on a God who's a God of the future. Because if, if he's doing only his good stuff in the past, he's not good enough for me. Right? Absolutely. So onward, onward and upward, in my view, best is yet to come. Absolutely. One more question, one more choice. Choice number four. What's in the snack bag? You mean food? Yeah. Tonics. Really? Man, I wouldn't go anywhere without my tonics caramelog bar. Oh, now, now you see, now you've done me there. Because when you said tonics, I thought you were going for a mallow. But no, no, a caramel no. log. I'm absolutely with you. This is the best one we've oh. had. Well, both, both coconut and chocolate, oh. either, either is good. One is less messy, so you have to choose where you eat them, right? Absolutely. I mean, General, you're speaking my language more than anything else you've said so far. I mean, I thought I liked the answers up to this point, but you have absolutely nailed uh, this one. I'm trying to suggest, boy, Tonic should send me some more. That's yeah, that's the... fine. Yeah, we can do a hashtag ad on this one as well. We'll make you an influencer <laughs> yet, General, don't you worry. I, see, if you ask me the question, what's your favorite meal? I would say I'd rather not answer that. Oh, because that means I would get that meal for the next yeah. three years <laughs> everywhere. 
You know, if I told you it was steak and chips and a good Caesar salad, I, I'm sure that people would make an effort to come up with that. You'd be eating that on a platform. I mean, that's what, that would be being brought out to you everywhere you went. That, yeah, you're right, you're right. But but the Tonic Mallows, that's a good one. That's a good one, because at least then you, you can never really have too much of that. Yeah, well, every, uh, every walk, every cycle, we do cafes and really enjoy, you know, a coffee and a tea, right? So one of us says to the other, have you got a snack? And of course, that just means, have you gone to the cupboard and gotten the right equipment? <laughs> that's a stunning answer. I mean, that's, you know, we've had all sorts. I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll level with you here, General. We've had all sorts of boring answers. I mean, people were bringing like Kendall Mint Cake and energy bars and all that. I'm not into any oh, of that. Oh, come on. No one that. We've also had some great answers along the way. I'm not going to lie. You know, this is episode 11. We've had some good answers. But Tunnix, Caramel Log, Coconut or Chocolate, <laughs> that is... That's the one. That's the winner so That's far. The one. That raises the bar for everyone. General, I, I just want to say at this moment, I don't. We don't take for granted your time. Thank you so much for, for oh, giving it to okay. us. We we have got one final question, which is this: How do we mature in service? <sighs> Slowly. I, I I believe the journey is is a very slow journey. I sometimes say when I sit with a young officer. Man, I wish I could just, uh, you know, give you a memory stick, plug it into you somewhere, and let you learn all the lessons that we have learned mm-hmm. over 40 years. Uh, I, I just think that the journey of life is a school in which you're, you're attending maturity school. And people move through that faster than others because it's not about gray hair. It's not about age. I've met some very mature young officers and I've met some very immature my age officers, right? So this this depth, and I don't know if the word mature is even an adequate word anymore. It's, mm. it's depth of character. Mm. It is integrity at all costs. It is the idea that you can have a discerning decision-making process that's influenced by the Almighty. It is about knowing that, look, as a called covenanted officer, I can relate without any, uh, any question to being anointed, mm. chosen, mm. called. So, so, you know, for me, it's, it's all of that stuff and understanding it as I come through the chapters of my journey. I feel sorry for my first core. I was so young and so infantile in my leadership. Mm-hmm. I, I, I won't get to go back there. The circumstances wouldn't permit it, but I just think I could do such a better leadership spiritual direction and formation and pastoring role now than I did then. What specifically? I want to drill into that because I think that's really interesting. And I think a lot of people, I think no matter where you are in your journey of life, I think a lot of us can look back to those earlier things and go, man, I wish I could have done it with what I know now. But let's be specific. What, what, what do you think would say are some of the hallmarks of your maturing and service that you can see in yourself? Look, one of the things that's happening right here now, I can talk a mile uh, without stopping. Mm. It's learning to stop and listen. Mm. 
it's learning to realize that uh, you don't have all the answers and best answers are discovered with others. I said that earlier. Mm. Um, and I think I learned very early in my officership, in my leadership, I, accepting the fact that I, I am a leader. Mm. <laughs> that, that's like, you know, I am a leader. My name is Brian Peddle and I am a leader. Mm. Uh, but it was, it was finding a philosophy or a framework in which I could safely and appropriately lead. Mm. So I got sent off to conferences and all kinds of things. And I came away at some point with a, a framework of leadership. Mm. And I, I do current reality really well. I think I do fair process mm. really well which means engaging people around you on the journey, who you're bringing with you and all this kind of stuff. And the end result of that is that I get better outcomes. Mm. I didn't have all these tools at the beginning. Mm. And the question of is a, is a leader born and is a leader uh, developed? Mm. I think it's both. Mm. And uh, I should be at this point a better leader than I was. Mm. I'm a better father. <laughs> mm. Life is upside down, right? My, my, you know, uh, I'm doing much better as a grandfather, having been a father, mm. right? Uh, Rosie would say I'm a better husband now than I was when she married me. Mm. Uh, wish we had all of that at the beginning mm. because at the end, then we have to look at it from a different perspective. So. Mm. By the time I finish up my officership, I probably have become a half decent officer. <laughs> it's the famous story, isn't it, of the of the cellist who's asked why he still practices for six hours a day, and he says, "I think I'm starting to get good at it." Uh, yeah, there's something yeah. wonderful about that, isn't there? I think that's yeah. when you recognise that you're probably in the presence of of something great. Yeah, it, it is. It is about giving your life to something. Mm. And no, I'm not a violinist. I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not good at cricket, I'm not good at football, but I need to be the best at what I do. Mm. And I think I'm better at that than I was when I began. Mm. I love the Lord more, I love the army more, which is really crazy. Mm. Uh, with all of its warts and underbelly, I love the army more mm. because I still believe in its mission, I still believe that God has purpose mm. for it in the world. Mm. And I can't imagine a world without the salvation. Wow. You know, so we, we keep going, we keep being faithful. Mm. I forgot your question now, so it doesn't matter if I've had your answer is better than my question. So that's fine. Don't worry oh, about well, it. Uh, <laughs> uh, General, thank you so much. I mean, it would, I'm sure you get asked this a lot when you're on, but, but this episode will go out really close after we record it, which isn't always the case. So I guess in this particular moment in October, 2020, is there something yeah. you would want to say to salvationists listening in right now or anyone listening in? I, I, I guess this probably yeah. goes wider than even that. What would be your message of hope or encouragement in this moment for us? I, I would say, uh, salvationist friends, um, keep keep the whole idea of what it means to have an obedient faith at the center of everything that you're doing, mm. at the center of everything you're not doing, mm. and figure out for yourself because the conditions and the, the opportunity to be obedient before God, because it's not about this life anyway, it's about the next life, 
how do you stay faithful and obedient in the meantime? Mm -hmm. And I believe that when salvationists, when generals do that, then God comes very near. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't want to miss those opportunities of hearing his voice. So, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, from a hope perspective, this too shall pass. Mm -hmm. But Lord uh, has been good to us. He has made it possible for us to pivot, as they say, mm. and turn our lives, our ministries towards people in our community. Mm. And no, we should not become couch church potatoes. Mm. We ought to become community connected mm. and make sure that we're doing that because that falls in the very center of his mission to the world, of which we're still a part. And uh, we need to be faithful in that. Look, I, I, I preach a sermon to you, and that's the problem. So don't ask me questions like... It's definitely not a problem. It's definitely not a problem to hear you preach a sermon, General. Uh, listen, I do want to say a huge thank you. We we don't take your time for granted and to come in and be part of the show here. We're really, really grateful to you. And of course, in this moment and the next, you are assured of our prayers for you and uh, for Commissioner Rosalie as well. Because, uh, yeah, it is. It's really it's really wonderful to hear you speak so personally about these things. But also we know that, like like you say, the, the office, the, the role with which you carry uh, is a really important one for both the Salvation Army and the wider church. So thank you so much for being with us. Uh, we really appreciate your time. Uh, thank you, Matt. God bless all your listeners. Well, a huge thank you again to General Brian Peddle for joining us here on the All Terrain Podcast. Uh, what a fabulous episode that was to be part of. So much honesty and vulnerability and wisdom and inspiration. I'm sure you will agree. Uh, don't forget, wherever you are, subscribe to the podcast, wherever you listen. And of course, you can share it on your social media as well. If you, like me, find that conversation really inspiring, why not share it with other people and get them to listen to you? And you can rate and review us as well. All of those things help get the Alter in podcast to even more people. I'll be back next time with another guest who'll be facing the four choices, answering the four questions and sharing their wisdom learned along the way on the All Terrain Podcast. Podcast.